the one thread that goes through all those jobs that, that I would recommend an individual never lose is the work ethic of always rolling up your sleeves and doing whatever it takes to get the job done. And if you're a chief of staff and you need to run the, back then the photocopy machine, then yeah. go run it. And I, I believe that, believe it then, believe it now. It's, it's the hunger and the desire to do whatever it takes to get the job done. The Purple Line is a community podcast, bringing you in-depth conversations with diverse leaders in the public and private sectors. Whether you're a student looking to gather advice or a professional tuning in for valuable resources, our dynamic programming provides tips for all ages and backgrounds. I'm your host, Keith Fernandez, and this is The Purple Line. John Hole is Director, Federal Government Affairs for Altria Client Services, Inc. The range of issues he manages includes corporate and excise taxes, product regulation, and a variety of litigation-related legislation. John is also responsible for managing the African-American, Hispanic, tobacco grower, and labor outreach. Prior to joining Altria, John served as Congressman Bart Gordon's counsel and also associate staff on the House Rules Committee from 1990 to 1996. John received his Juris Doctor in 1990 from the University of Missouri, Columbia. He's a member of the in Missouri and Washington, D.C. He received his undergraduate degree in 1984 from Pitzer College in Claremont, California. John has served on the board of directors of the Congressional Hispanic Leadership Institute since 2008. He currently serves as chair of the fundraising committee and mentor to Chile's Global Leaders Program interns and fellows. John Hull, thank you for joining us on the Purple Line. Chili's treasurer, a fixture of Chili since 2003, since I was an intern in 2006. So I'm part of the Cretaceous period of interns. Thank you for joining us. How are you doing on this sunny DC Friday? I'm doing wonderful. Thank you. It's a, it's a relaxed day. It's a beautiful spring day. And I'm glad to be here with you. Well, we're glad to have you. And so let's get right into it. You started as an intern coming to DC in your years of college, and then you grew your career to work as counsel uh, to member of Congress here. Tell us a little bit about why you even wanted to intern in D.C. in the first place. So it's a great question. So I was in college between my junior and senior year, and one of my best friends growing up, he was a political junkie. I grew up in Kansas City, and he was coming out to intern for then-Senator Nancy Landon Kassebaum. Yeah. And he said, well, why don't you come out with me? So I asked my father and mother for some help, and they got me an internship with a a member of Congress named Ike Skelton with whom they had gone to college and my father had gone to law school. And it was, a, it was an excellent internship. And it was an excellent internship because every Friday, he, didn't, he lived out here and would go home on occasion. And every Friday afternoon, he would call his interns in and sit us down and go through what he had voted on that week, what major committee hearings he had had, and asked us if we had any questions. And it was that internship and the time he spent with us and his dedication and explanation of what a public servant is, it really attracted me to Congress legislating and public service. And after that internship, I mean, you became a counsel for a member of Congress, so you obviously went to law school. Did that influence your decision to go to law school as well? Yes. And so, so it was a little bit, so I, I stayed out here in the, that was the summer of, to my junior, senior year, my, my freshman Maybe my first semester, my senior year, I had an internship 
with the U.S. Attorney's Office in the misdemeanor trial section. I had gotten through my college. So that was kind of the, the law side of it. I graduated and then came back out here and did what so many people do. I, I slept on a friend's couch until I found a job. And I found a job in January of that, of that next year with a gentleman named Bart Gordon from Tennessee. He was a freshman. Yeah. And I started off working at his front desk, answering the phones and opening the mail and being the first person constituents met. I did that for about two and a half years and I went to law school. I, I stopped working yeah. and went full-time to law school. I have great admiration for people who work on the Hill and go to law school at night. I don't yeah. know how they do it. And then each summer I clerked for a law firm here in DC. I missed it. Yeah. I really thought I was gonna go back home to Kansas City be a lawyer like my father in a firm. And I just, I missed DC. I missed the politics. I missed the policy and just the vitality of this town. Yeah. So when I graduated law school, I went back to work for Bart Gordon as his counsel on the House Rules Committee. That's incredible. And what was that like? I mean, you know, the skills you learned as a staff assistant, I know we have a lot of Chile interns listening, a lot of folks who probably are thinking of applying to Chile, and they might not make that connection immediately of like, oh, I had this entry level job, but then I can become counsel or chief of staff. Or how did those skills that you learned when you were a staff assistant, you know, really translate into being a more tenacious counsel, learning the system? A lot of folks say, you know, always learn the system at the bottom and then, you know, you really will have a lot of success. Do you think that influenced your effectiveness in certain ways in the job over time? Because you already knew the institution. So the answer to the question is absolutely. Yeah. And I, uh, there's a saying on the private sector side that works with the Hill is that always be nice to the, to the person sitting in the front desk because they're going to be the chief of staff eventually. Yeah. And that's true. And I think I did the staff assistant job. I was a legislative correspondent, legislative assistant, legislative director, and then counsel. Being the one thread that goes through all those jobs that, that I would recommend an individual never lose is, is the work ethic of always rolling up your sleeves and doing whatever it takes to get the job done. And if you're a chief of staff and you need to run the back then the photocopy machine, then yeah. go run it. And I, I believe that, believe it then, believe it now. It's, it's the hunger and the desire to do whatever it takes to get the job done, whether you're sitting at the front desk or you're running in the office. Absolutely. I think that's absolutely right. And you mentioned you're a Kansas City native, but you did not mention yet that you lived in Southern California for a little bit. Why Southern California? Like that's, that famous song, It Never Rains in Southern California. So I, I went to school at Pitzer College yeah. in Claremont, and I love Kansas City. Yeah. But when I was 18 years old, the, the thought of going to Southern California to college and when I went out to the visit and realized that skiing was 45 minutes away and the, and the beach was an hour away, that was hard to, to beat. And, I, and I, I really, I love my experience in Claremont because Pitzer is a very progressive university. And that was a good thing for me. So I came from a conservative educational background. It was a very diverse campus. And it was, as you know, as you may know, Claremont, the Claremont colleges are five colleges that are all contiguous mm -hmm. to each other. You could take classes in one of the five that you want. So I got a good mixing pot of, of people from around the country and different political, geographic, and racial makeup to learn from. So that was really my first exposure to racial, political, geographic diversity. My next one was when I did a semester abroad in Italy. And for the first time in my life, I went to a place where English was not the primary language. And I was a minority. And I learned 
the cultural experience I learned, the cultural experiences I had in that semester were far more important to me, I think, in my maturation than, than the educational experiences, which were great. I mean, there's nothing like studying art history and not looking at pictures in a book, but looking at them in a museum or a church. Yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, a real thread of curious individuals generally where it's, you know, the experiences in life that really push your boundaries, you know, such as studying abroad, going to new communities. How important do you think that was? I know it's a, it, you know, you sort of touched on it, but in your perspective in Congress, you know, in corporate America, even in Chile, how, how does that inform how you make decisions holistically? I think... So probably one of the greatest experience, learning experiences from both college and from the time in, in abroad was to learn to compare in yeah. as opposed to compare out. Like how this is a very, this situation is not my norm. I, um, it's very different, but let's try to find the like components and then grow from there or just try to find a connection. Right. And then one story, one story that's kind of popping to mind that I haven't thought until just now was at Pitzer, the, the kitchen staff were, was, was predominantly Hispanic. And there was this one gentleman who was a dishwasher and he would come out and pick up dishes that I just became friendly with. We, didn't, we, we could not communicate other than just, you know, non-ver- largely nonverbal. I mean, I would try to speak English and he'd have a few words. And he lived with a group of men in the town of Claremont or Pomona next door. And he ended up inviting me over to his house, a house barbecue one Saturday, and I found another f- student friend of mine who was invited, who spoke Spanish and went and just had a wonderful time. An example of just try to find the connection as basic as it is and grow from there. That's, that's incredible. And I think that's right. And speaking of connections, we'll be right back with more of John Ho on the Purple Line. Hello, this is Marianne Gomez-Orta, Chile President and CEO. You are listening to the Purple Line Podcast. We would like to thank the sponsors of our internship and fellowship programs. The Coca-Cola Foundation, Comcast, Altria Client Services, Ford Motor Company, The Home Depot, Walmart, UPS Foundation, Televisa Univision, McDonald's Corporation, and Cortiva AgriScience. Thank you. Okay, and we're back with John Hole, Chili's Treasurer, Thank you again for joining us and taking time out of your schedule to be with us. It's great to be here. You know, we left off at, at the at connection. And I think one of the things that, you know, I valued about Chile as an intern, now I do as an alumnus, is the fact that we connect folks from different backgrounds, different points of view. And Chile's mission really is diversity of thought. And I think it's executed well on that mission. You know, for Chile's Chile's mission, I think, is also really unique in D.C. because it's about bringing together folks from, you know, both sides of the aisle or no part of the aisle and teaching them how to live a life of service. When you were helping found Chile, when you were helping ensure that Chile became what it is today, how important was connecting diversity to a life of service to you and actioning on that, you know, through programs like the internship? Very important. And I think... Chile is unique in a number of different ways. One is bipartisan, like you said, which in this day and age in this town, that is rare. And it's truly bipartisan. Second, the internship program specifically, Global Leaders, as we call it, I think is, stands out because it gives the, each intern a period of time in a congressional office and a period of time in a corporate office. So they get to see both sides of how this town works. And I think that's really important 
And when I meet with, I really try to have a lunch or a meal or a meeting with the, the global leaders each semester. And I tell them, look, I, I hope you love what you do. I hope you love your time on the Hill. But if you don't, that's, that's just fine. That yeah. just means there's one thing in life you don't want to do and you know you don't chase after it. But what, you, what you've been exposed to is what public service is like. And we talk a lot about public service. And I go back to my experiences with my member, with Ike Skelton from Missouri, is that he really took time to explain what his vision of a public servant was. I think we lose sight of that sometimes. That's part of what the Global Leaders does. And it's the diversity. Diversity of thought is diversity of thought, whether it be, you know, policy on Cuba, foreign affairs. We, we don't make many or very few policy statements in Chile. We try to expose our interns to those situations, those policy questions, and talk about it. We have tech talk. We have, you know, forums on the Hill. Um, a lot of different opportunities, a lot of different exposure to have different viewpoints on various topics put before them. One of my personal experiences with diversity of thought was uh, when I started with the, with the board, I knew next to nothing about the politics of Cuba. Really, I just yeah. didn't. It, it just had never crossed my path. I mean, I knew, you know, generally. Right. But I said, I realized, you know, I have got probably the best professor in the country as the chairman of this organization. So over time, Lincoln and I have found times to sit next to each other at dinner or have drinks. And just can, he would continue to expand my, my knowledge of the Cuba situation, the history yeah. and, the, and the Cuba situation and, and the politics and, and wow, how, what another example of bipartisanship around, it, around an issue. And that, that's one of them. Absolutely. And, you know, thinking about the, the future of Chile and you've seen Chile grow over the past 20 years, yeah. celebrating 20 years this year, which is crazy. And I think, you know, one of the questions everyone always has is, you know, what's next for Chile and where do you see the future of Chile in the next 10, 20, 50 or, or pick a number years? And what would you like to see Chile be doing over that sort of long term for students? That's a great question. Here's what I would, here's how I'd answer it. I would say, take the various components we have now yeah. and grow them. And then if, if there's something that, that is an offshoot from those areas, whether it be the issue briefings yeah. or the global leaders, then do we get into fellows for graduate students? Mm -hmm. Do we have just offshoots of things we're doing? I would love to see a, a, a twice the size of class each semester in the summer for interns and fellows. I just think that is so important to introducing yeah. kids of Hispanic descent yeah. to this town yeah. and public service. I think I would love to see a scholarship program. Yeah. I mean, we pay them yeah. and we fly them up here and we house them and all that. But if, if someone really needs more than that yeah. to afford them opportunity, I would, I would really hate to see someone not have an opportunity to do this because they, were, they didn't have the wherewithal to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And for so many folks, it's, you know, their first time on the plane, the first time outside of their home state. It's so many. It was, I could not have come to D.C. without Chile because my parents could not have paid for, right. you know, at that time, six weeks of living in D.C. and, you know, but much less find a place to live. Right. Know that. I mean, there are so many challenges, even if you have the money and the time that organizations like Chile help break down. 
I agree. Yeah. And I love meeting those kids yes. each semester. Yeah. Like I, I say, how many of you have never been on out of your town? Yeah. How many have never been on a plane? Yeah. To me, that's that that in and of itself, affording them that opportunity is a huge success. Yeah. And everything else beyond that is just great. And we get like you said, we give them a place to live. It's safe. We give them metro cards so they can get around. We tell them how they get around. Just make it so that it is it is a sought after internship. Not that it isn't now, but a sought after internship that a multitude of universities across the country have kids applying to us. Yeah, I'm, I agree with you totally. And I think even more importantly, than the, it's more than some of its parts. It really gives somebody agency because it opens someone's mind to like, oh, I can go live somewhere else. Like the world is bigger than I ever thought before. Right. Independence. Yes, yes, yes. In so many ways. Closing now with the least a serious portion of our interview, what advice would you give to a, an incoming Chile intern who has not met you, has not met Marianne or Chairman Diaz Ballard? How would you, knowing what you know today, leverage a Chile internship? So I would tell someone who is considering a Chile internship that this is a, a great opportunity yeah. for you to, to, to see a lot, to learn a lot. It's well run, it's well managed. And then the advice that I give interns when I sit down with them is like tell my experience, but is twofold. And one is ask. If you see an opportunity, like you're in a congressional office and the chief of staff is doing something, legislative director is going to something or the member is going to something and it looks interesting, ask, hey, can I go along? The worst answer is gonna be no. And the best answer is gonna be yes. And you're gonna be exposed to something. So ask for and seek out opportunities to do things. They're not going to need to be handed to you. You're going to have to be proactive first. Second is, is look up. And look up is literal and figurative. Literally, if you get the opportunity to go in the Capitol or go in some of the museums in this town, look up because some of the most beautiful art and, and frescoes and ornate wood carvings are up in the Capitol. Some of the most beautiful fr frescoes are up. The other is kind of tied to the first point, which is look up for opportunities. Yeah. Don't, ever, don't ever look down and don't think you have a, have a right to do it or shouldn't do it. You're here to learn. And you, you're, you have a responsibility to learn, or you have a part in that. And that is asking to look it up. That's, that's amazing. John Hall, thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. We're going to ask some, some now personal questions sure. to get our listeners to learn a little bit more about you. We've learned about your career. We've learned about how you'd leverage Chile internship. But what we really want to know is what's your favorite movie or TV show? That's two questions. My favorite movie is Top Gun. Oh, I love that. And the second one is just as good as the first one. TV show, you know, I love, <laughs> that's tough, MASH. Oh, yeah. MASH is, I watch, yeah. I found Me TV, and then probably current day, my favorite TV show is, I'm a big fan of Young Sheldon. I think he's, that's a hilarious show. That's a funny show. You know, Alan Aldo's got a podcast now. Does he really? He does, he does, he does. It gets really personal. It's really interesting. So MASH was a, was a, a growing up. And so that was a two. Those are, the, that, those are two, two, and, okay. I, and I, I got more, don't worry. What's your favorite place to vacation? I have two. Okay. So I grew up every year, at my my Parents took us down to a place called Sanibel Island, Florida. Yeah. It's off the coast of Fort Myers. Been going there for since I was a teenager, and my parents retired down there. We had to go there every Christmas, except this last Christmas because it got walloped by Ian. So I have also had this second love, which is Utah. Park City, I'm a, I'm a big skier. Yeah. So Park City, Utah is my is my second love. So it's the ocean. 
in the mountains. That's that's amazing. And then last question, you're obviously a man of accomplishment. You make time not only for your own career, but for Chile and for so many other causes. What's your morning routine? How do you like get up in the morning and do all these things? Because these are definitely really high bars to set for yourself and for others. Great question. So most days I get up and do something athletic. Okay. And it's because that's the one part of my day I've learned in my career I can control. Yeah. Because if I try to do something at lunch or try to do something after work, mm-mm, it's not going to happen. So I get up and do some type of, of exercise or some type of, of mental exercise. Yeah. Well, that is, that's a great way to close because now you're inspiring me to do more exercise in the morning and to thank you for walking with us on the Purple Line. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for your support of Chile and Hispanic men and women who are students for the past 20 years and for a long time more. My thank pleasure. You, John. It's great to be here. Thanks for listening to The Purple Line. You can follow me at underscore Keith Fernandez on Twitter. And make sure to follow Chili across all social media platforms at The Chili for the latest updates. 